Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. Today I'm chatting with Rima. She's the founder and president of Global Hope 365, and they're an organization that is dedicated to improving the lives of women and girls, most importantly, ending child marriage, human trafficking, and menstrual restrictions. Honestly, folks, until I talked to Rima, I did not know 40 out of 46 states in the United States, child marriage is still legal. 46 out of 50, guys. That means if a 40-year-old wants to marry a 10-year-old and her parents say it's okay, then that 10-year-old is being married. That just totally blows my mom mind. As mom of girls, I just cannot comprehend that. So I really think this is a really eye-opening chat and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn from her as I've learned a lot from her. I basically let her talk the majority of the time because the questions that I had to ask her, she was answering before I could ask. So you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Hi guys. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I am joined today by Rima. She is the founder and president of Global Hope 365, which is basically an advocacy group for ending human trafficking and child marriage. Am I correct, Rima? Absolutely. So tell us a little about yourself first. Hmm. (laughs) So um, I started uh, this uh, nonprofit, Global Hope 365, back in 2017. Before that, I was in the corporate world. Um, I was running a division at AIG, the global insurance company. And uh, I had two lives. I had the corporate world and then I had the political life. And then when uh, I left AIG, uh, I continued to work in insurance, but then in 2016, I ran across so many issues that were happening and tragedies as far as what's going on on the global arena and locally here. And uh, it was mainly things that are affecting women and girls, harmful practices against women and girls, and that I decided uh, I need to do something about them instead of just complaining. Hmm. And that we need to do something, we need to do something. I, I decided I need to stop this and start doing something about it. And, and so that's when I um, uh, decided to start Global Hope 365. Because whether it's uh, through migration, relocation, uh, civil war, conflicts, uh, or just everyday life, uh, child marriage happens, human trafficking happens. So basically predators prey on the vulnerabilities of uh, children, young adults, and women. And so I've, I've had enough of it, and I've decided I need to start a nonprofit to end these harmful practices against women and girls like child marriage and human trafficking. And also in 2016, all this time I was here, I didn't realize that child marriage was legal in the U.S. Mm. until I got an email, uh, and it was an article that was written by Nicholas Kristof for the New York Times, and it, about the story of Sherry Johnson out of Florida. 
and the title was uh i remember it's like 10 uh pregnant and married mm. so uh and, oh and forced to marry her rapist sorry not married forced to marry her rapist so what happened Sari johnson um was a 10 year old child. She was repeatedly raped by a deacon and a parishioner in the church. Mm -hmm. 11, she got pregnant. Uh, child welfare was going to conduct an investigation. So the parents and the church get together and they marry her off to their 20 year old rapist. At 18, she found a friendly attorney. I'm giving you the short version. Uh, she found a friendly attorney who got her a divorce. By then she had seven kids. Wow. So, you know, when you have such an age differential, uh, then you lose control over everything. And so the, the dominant male, the adult male, will control everything that you do. And so she had seven kids. But what's great about Sherry Johnson is that she uh, became a survivor of child marriage and she started advocating the legislator in Florida to raise the minimum age to 18 with no exceptions. And they didn't go all the way to 18, they went to 17 because she didn't want the same thing to happen to her kids or to anybody else's kids in Florida. She didn't want anyone to go through the trauma that she went through. And so we're thankful for her advocacy and uh, we appreciate all the hard work that she's been doing since then. And that's when I was shocked to find out uh, not only is child marriage legal in the US, back then it was legal in 48 states. Wow. So there were only two states that passed legislations uh, that said no child marriage under 18, no exceptions. And those were Delaware, and New Jersey, uh, May and June of 2018. Since then, uh, Pennsylvania and Minnesota passed the same legislation of May of this year during COVID. So now we're down to 46 states. So California is one of those 46 states, that's where I live. But in California, not only child marriage is legal, there's no minimum age to marry. Wow. Yes. And there are nine other states that also have no minimum age. Some states have a minimum age of 14 or 15 or 16, but in California and nine other states, there's no minimum age. So, and I'm being dramatic here. So if your, your parents want you to get married at five and they can find a judge to approve it, you will get married at five. And so when you hear the stories of the survivors, and we just had um, the first annual um, Child Survivors Summit this year, July 22nd, and when you hear, and some of these survivors were in their 40s and 50s, you can still hear the raw emotion and the trauma in their voice. And the general theme was, is that they were basically, uh, they were sad and in somewhat angered that they were set up by their parents and 
and the system failed them. So they were failed by the parents who are the people who are supposed to protect them, and then they were failed by the system. Uh, and so that was the general theme that we heard. Uh, we made history in California uh, since we had our inaugural event on January 8, 2019, uh, because on uh, September 14, uh, 2019, we launched the California Coalition to End Child Marriage. And since then, which thank you for partnering with us. Mm -hmm. uh, since then, uh, we have uh, so many uh, survivors, organizations, elected officials, community leaders who've signed on with us. Also, we just passed the first resolution uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the city of Irvine. It passed unanimously the no child marriage under 18 no exception resolution, and that was on August 11. And then just this past Friday, we received the first proclamation from the city of Newport Beach, right after again, unanimously passing our resolution. Uh, they gave us the first proclamation about ending child marriage with no exception in the history of the state. So in less than 20 months, we've been able to accomplish so much and i myself have personally interfaced with over 174,000 people because i used to do 10 to 12 speaking engagements a month in person now i do them virtually because we're all about raising awareness education and prevention because we want to raise awareness about the prevalence of child marriage and human trafficking, educate the public and elected officials about it, and then we want to prevent future victims from happening. There's a lot of organizations on the human trafficking side that want to help victims and rebuild their lives, and they're needed. But we need to get to the root cause and we need to stop victims from happening in the first place because that trauma will never leave them for the end, to the end of their life. In fact, I just made a presentation recently and, and it was virtual and one of the people attending and it was an um, elected official uh, told me that she was a victim of child abuse. And wow. so, yeah. And so that is extremely powerful and tragic. And she wants to volunteer and help uh, in, in, you know, uh, in our organization. Uh, the sad thing about child marriage, and then we'll go directly into human trafficking, is that, as I mentioned, um, when you have someone who's married, and we had in the US uh, since 2000, over 248,000 minors, mostly young girls and marrying adult males. And so some of them as young as 12. And so because of the age differential, uh, you're going to have uh, early pregnancy. Uh, you're going to have social isolation because of that. Uh, you will not be going to school. And so you will not get the education. You will not go to vocational training or to college, so you will not be able to support yourself and your kids. And if you wanted to leave, some have tried to leave and they go to shelters, but because they're minors, they say, you need to go back to your parents. Mm -hmm. 
some shelters will not accept them. And, uh, but they can't go to their parents because they're the ones who got them in this, in the first place and they're married. So then go back to your husband, but they can't go back to the husband. And how many at that age, whether it's 11 like Sherry or 13, like some of the survivors that we heard at, at our summit or 14, how many know that they can access an attorney or where do they get an attorney or what their rights are. They cannot rent an apartment on their own. You know, they cannot, some of them can't drive cars yet, but they can marry and have kids. And so uh, you cannot vote until you're 18, right? You cannot uh -huh. drink until you're 21. You cannot sign a contract until you're 18, but you can get married. I mean, there's a reason why it was decided that you cannot vote until you're 18 or you cannot sign a contract until you're 18 because you have to be mentally, physically, and emotionally developed to handle these life-changing decisions. So, but you can get married at 11. So I, I, I find that uh, tragic. And so uh, the American Medical Association came uh, against child marriage and they had a resolution and they said most of uh, the minors, uh, the majority of them will basically have sexually transmitted at a high propensity to have sexually tra tra transmitted diseases, become victims of domestic violence, and also uh, a, a higher propensity for maternal death and infant. So you have maternal and infant mortality. And so that's why they came against it. Uh, in addition, 80% uh, of these marriages end up in divorce. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so when you have the American Medical Association come out against it, when you have UNICEF indicating that child marriage is a fundamental violation of human rights, when you have our own State Department issuing a report in 2016, it says child marriage is a violation of human rights in other countries. I say, what about our country? What about our kids? Before we can, uh, before we go save the world, we need to save our own kids and we need to uh, have legislation to protect them because the same people who are supposed to protect them, their parents, the closest to them, are not protecting them. And, and that's why we, we wanted to do that. Why do you think it's so accepted in the United States, child marriage? Uh, it's, uh, remember, it, it's, it was a patriarchal society mm -hmm. and it's archaic laws that we've been carrying through the years. And so, uh, and, and so that's why it's still there. Uh, and uh, we had Senator Jerry Hill in Northern California, for example, who wanted to pass a legislation in 2017, SB 273, that said no child marriage under 18, no exception. He thought it was a no brainer, uh, but he encountered too much opposition that the bill was watered down so bad that the initial organizations who were fighting to end child marriage pulled their support of it and they said, 
we are we no longer support this um, legislation because basically it hasn't changed anything because uh, child marriage is still legal in California. Uh, there's still no minimum age. Uh, they say now that uh, you basically have to get permission. You have to get parental consent and judge's approval, and you have to meet with the judge for an hour or a counselor for an hour. But tell me, please, uh, how many children who uh, their parents are forcing them or coercing them to marry in an hour meeting with the judge will say, oh, no, my parents are forcing me. They know that they have to go back with their parents. So this is not going to happen. And so that's why I'm asking you, why do you think it's happening? Honestly, I I just can't even imagine. I'm a mom of three girls. They're 18 through 25 now. But at their young age, young age, like you're talking about 10 and 11, I could not even imagine them being married and starting families because they're not mature. The maturity level was not there. Absolutely. Yes. So why would parents, all I could think of was maybe it's an economic thing for their parents that they're trying to either get rid, they've had so many children and they're trying to pawn off their children on somebody else. Or it could be that, you know, they feel like their their child could have a better life or are they're just sorry parents. I'm sorry, I just have to say that because I can't as a parent fathom sending a 10 or 11 year old off to marry a man twice their age. I just, I can't even imagine that. I'll just give you an example from the, some of the survivors that we had. One of them, and I'm not going to be mentioning names, uh, one of them, uh, the father had a nanny for the girl. She was 13. The nanny was a male. So he sexually molested her. She became pregnant. The father forced her to marry him because otherwise it's statutory her rape and that male has to be charged and go to jail. Mm. So sometimes child marriage just like in the case of Sherry Johnson, is used to hide a crime that is committed. Mm. And so what Sherry Johnson did, which is very apt and appropriate, is that she said they took the handcuffs off of him and they placed them on me. Mm -hmm. Because her husband didn't go to jail for statutory rape. He married her, so he got off jail for free. But then she became a prisoner in that marriage and she couldn't do anything because as we mentioned, where is she gonna go rent an apartment or herself mm -hmm. or drive herself places or, I mean, at 11. Yeah, I, I, just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, the other one, uh, she was um, again, uh, made pregnant by a neighbor who was 40 years old. She was 14. Mm. Initially, the mother called the police, but then she convinced her he was uh, uh, divorced, had kids living with him. So the mother convinced her that she needs to marry him because otherwise he's going to go to jail and he's going to lose her kids. But what about your child that's going to lose her childhood? And so... So you have those cases. And then you have the cases when, where one parent, you have a, a divorced couple where one parent will say, 
uh, I want to marry her off to that person, doesn't tell the wife in that instant, and they marry them off. And so, so it's basically spans across all cultures, all religions, all socioeconomic, um, basically societies and communities here and individuals. So that's uh, unfortunately um, child marriage. So what we're asking for uh, people to do, for constituents, for citizens, is that they need to call their elected state elected officials and say, we would like, we would, we need to protect our kids and you need to pass legislation to end child marriage under 18 with no exceptions. And so because we are meeting with the state elected officials at the same time, and because of what happened to SB 273, we started passing these, we, we authored this resolution and we started passing it at various cities. We passed it in Irvine, in Anaheim, the happiest place on earth where Disneyland is, and in Newport Beach, we received, uh, as I mentioned, we received our first proclamation for the city on Newport Beach. I just made the presentation to the city of Yerba Linda. And so what we have on the website of the CA Coalition to EndChildMarriage.org, what we have is an advocacy page. And you can go in, let us know where do you have the relationships with your city council members or county supervisors and we'll tailor that resolution for your city or county we send it to you and we'll keep track uh, of it and we'll help you support you until you get this resolution passed and so that's as far as the advocacy on um uh, of child marriage uh but Modern day slavery, which includes mm -hmm. human trafficking and child marriage, is around 40 million globally. 25 of that is uh, labor trafficking and 15 is child marriage. It's basically human trafficking and 15 million is child marriage. And um, as far as human trafficking, it's a $150 billion industry. Mm. It is a crime industry and it's the third and it's the fastest growing crime industry. And so if you come across someone or if you know someone or someone is listening and is going through what we're going to describe, the national hotline, it's very easy to remember, Melissa. It's one 888-373-7888. So 888-373-7888. Or you can text, if you don't want to call, you can text BE FREE to 233-733. And so human trafficking, there's a lot of myth about human trafficking. Uh, most of the people think when I did all, and I still do those speaking engagements, most of the people thought that human trafficking is all these foreign women that are brought into the U.S. That's a myth. 
90% of the girls involved in human trafficking are US citizens. Another myth is that they are kidnapped, most if not all are kidnapped against their will. That's another myth because uh, most of the time uh, victims are basically they're victimized by the closest people that are to them, either uh, emotional partners, just as a husband or a boyfriend, or a family member, such as parents, or what they call in the trafficking industry grooming. They're groomed by traffickers. Some of these traffickers uh, uh, basically um, get their victims by some of them park outside a school and and they watch I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> they, they park out of a school. They park out of a school and they watch for uh, the girl who's walking alone and they get close to her and they promise them uh, and they groom them and they promise them a life of uh party full of parties and designer items and they groom them until they trust them and then they either get raped or they say hey would you sleep with this person would you go with this person because we can't make the rent if they got them to trust them enough to think that they are their partners and so that's how it starts in some of the cases uh, that I've heard through my speaking engagements or meeting people or victims, uh, one uh, on one speaking engagement, I spoke at a women's group and the other speaker was a victim of human trafficking. She moved with her mother from Hawaii to California. They lived with the uncle and the uncle sexually molested her and then trafficked her. Mm. And she said, well, everyone, uh, all the kids um, after school, they, they go home, have dinner and do their homework. She had to hit the street and get her quota. And when people asked her, well, didn't you tell your mom? She said, all what I kept hearing my mom saying is that he's our protector. He's the only thing between us and living on the street. He's this, he's that. I was afraid that we're going to end up on the street if I said anything. And I was so ashamed. Shame basically prevents uh, a lot of the victims from coming forward. And that's why it's very important that parents have a close and great relationship with their kids. And they need to make sure that the kids assign three adults or three safe adults if not the parents, three safe adults that they can talk to just in case something happened to them. And then I heard the district attorney from San Diego, who's a pioneer fighting against human trafficking, say that most of young adults and kids, what they're most afraid of is losing their cell phone. So when you talk to them and educate them and indicate to them that human, uh, the, the, the danger of human trafficking, and that it's not like the movie Taken where they're kidnapped. Some of this happens, but mostly it doesn't. It happens um, through social media. It happens on Facebook. 
It happens on Instagram, TikTok. It happens on uh, uh, game rooms and chat rooms. And 70, there's 50, uh, 45 million on the internet on a daily basis. 72% said that they received uh, pornography and unsolicited messages. 72% of them said that they responded, although they don't know the person. And so we need to have that uh, conversation with our kids to say, you need to be careful. The number one um, state in, as far as calls into the national trafficking hotline is California. One, because we're a very large state, and another because law enforcement and other organizations like us have been raising awareness about the danger of human trafficking. And so people are calling more into the trafficking hotline. And so uh, that's basically what, what's happening. And so some of the warning, what do you think are some of the warning signs as far as human trafficking and kids are concerned? Honestly, I would say withdrawing from, you know, doing normal activities, would that be one of them? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I can't imagine a teenager not wanting to go out and be with friends. Right. So that's one of them. What do you think is another one? I am not really sure. I mean, I've heard a lot be more like they have to be someplace at a certain time. And if they're not, they get all upset and all like really like out of sorts. Yeah. So some of the things that uh, the warning signs that teachers and parents need to look for is that they're missing school frequently. Uh, signs of drug use. Why? Because the traffickers use drugs and alcohol to control them. They get them ad addicted to drugs and alcohol because that's easier to control them and for them to continue to become uh, victims uh, for longer periods of time. And the other one is new and expensive items. Yeah that have been bought because in, in one of the videos that I showed during my presentation, it's basically, they tell them three things. One of uh, the three things they need to, the three things they need to watch for is that they have two cell phones, new and expensive items, designer clothing, designer items, and being withdrawn in class. And so uh, the other thing is, um, as I mentioned, the multiple items is changes in behavior, like you mentioned, or again, like you mentioned, disinterest in activities that they previously they used to like to do, or they avoid making eye contact with you. Uh, homelessness, habitual runaways, because the the most vulnerable population to human trafficking are foster kids. Uh, runaway kids, homeless kids, throwaway kids. And so, and uh, in, in one of those videos that I show, they indicate that 
70% of these girls that are involved in human trafficking have had 80%, I'm sorry, have had previous uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Yeah. And so the other thing is physical injuries or malnourishment that a victim that I spoke on the same panel with said, uh, she said that it wasn't until her senior year at high school that one of the counselors said, what are those bruises on your arms? Yeah. She said, all these years, nobody said anything or asked until her high school kids. And then the other thing is you need to watch for a presence of an older or controlling adult or knowledge of the trafficking slang or language. And uh, traffickers put a tattoo on their victims. So uh, they call them a stable so they can separate them from other uh, traffickers. Graphic or inappropriate profile online. Uh, if somebody asks you to offer of a high paying job, that is too good to be true or a person who's not in control of their um, basically uh, identi identification documents. So all these, and there's more that are red flags for parents and teachers. What we tell young adults or minors to do is beware of meeting people online, mm -hmm. online chat and gaming rooms relationship that must be kept secret. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of sexting and sextortion because, you know, during COVID, when predators knew that all the kids were in line, there has been a 40% uptick nationally in calls to the national trafficking hotline. 40% nationwide and 30% in San Diego. Why? Because traffickers knew that all the kids are online. And so they're um, in uh, chat rooms, they're in gaming rooms. And when you're online and the kids think predators uh, approach them and they make them believe that they are the same age as they are. Mm -hmm. And there has been a lot of cases where they convinced that minor to basically take photos of themselves without any clothes, revealing photos. They think that they're sending these photos to someone who's the same age as they are when the person on the other line of the screen, because that person will have a photo on themselves that look like a younger male when they're not and then the threat starts coming in when that young adult or minor doesn't want to do this anymore they said you know those pictures you sent me we're going to send them to your school we're going to send them to your parents mm -hmm. and there has been a lot of cases like this what young adults and minors don't know that when you send a picture like this to someone else you're committing a crime, you're breaking the law, because that's pornography. And even though later you become the victim, you broke the law, it's a crime, you might go to jail. Mm -hmm. Because sexting, as I mentioned, becomes sextortion, 
And then when you try to charge that person and they say, you know, if you do, you've committed a crime also and you can go to jail. So our younger generation need to understand these pitfalls and the ramifications of what they're doing and they shouldn't be trusting whoever that person is on the other side of that internet or of that screen because they think they're the same age and they are as they are when they're not. And so they uh, basically use their pictures to throw it all over the internet. In one case of a victim, we heard the mother and it was too emotional for her. Her son was trafficked that way by sending pictures. And then how did she know is when her niece called her and she said, my cousin wants to commit suicide. Why? Because that predator has sent all those pictures to all his schoolmates. So now his pictures are being uh, interchanged and sent to all the, the, the kids and the kids are sending them to each other, the minors, the students. Mm -hmm. and so that's why they wanted to commit suicide. But thankfully th there was an intervention and they were able to bring someone. Um, the other thing is when people try to buy you expensive gifts or items, mm -hmm. uh, that's another um, something, another thing you need to be aware of. Or when people hanging around the school who don't belong there. I spoke at an Anaheim Union High School Board of Trustees ambassador programs and I was mentioning this. And one of the teacher uh, supervisor mentioned that at their schools, they caught someone like that who didn't belong um, in their schools. When, when people... Uh, when people uh, basically limiting your choices, when somebody trying to control you or limit uh, your choice, but basically trust your inner voice. If your inner voice is saying, don't do this, then uh, trust that voice and don't do it. And if the promises that are being made to you are too good to be true, they are to be too good to be true. One of the speakers that we were going to have on our own monthly Global Health 365 coffee meetup at our prep meeting, she shared with me after I explained what we do that she was a victim of human trafficking. Wow. And she said, and she's uh, a famous, uh, and she's an author, a wellness coach and a counselor. And then she said, I wish my parents were monitoring my phone. If they were monitoring my phone, then this wouldn't have happened. What we found out of those 54 million kids that are online is that 61% of the parents stopped monitoring, uh, monitoring their kids' online activity after the age of 14, yet 72% of the missing kids' uh, online cases are for young adults who are between the ages of 15 and 17. Wow. Yes. So you need to be vigilant. You need to have that discussion with uh, your kids. You need to explain the dangers there, just like I was explaining, that you're not trying to be controlling. You're just trying 
to protect them. And there are, you can Google it, there are uh, applications that you can use that will basically keep your children safe. One of them is called uh, Circle. You can Google them. And there's multiple of those applications. And you can limit their time online. Uh, you can ask them to tell you what website they use. And you need to know where they're visiting. You need to have safeguards uh, as far as which websites they need to visit. And so we need to um, we need to do all these things. And the kids are smart. If you have that honest conversation with them and indicate the dangers and indicate to them why you're trying to do it, th they'll understand. And the other thing, if you see someone being trafficked, don't get involved, call, because it could be dangerous. So what is our ask as far as human trafficking? When we go and meet everyone or we're guests at podcasts just like yours, thank you very much for having me, is that we ask again for parents, concerned citizens to call their elected officials and say, we need to punish demand. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you know, it's a demand and supply equation. If you reduce the demand, ergo, the supply has to be reduced. When, if you get caught with a victim, buying sex with a victim of human trafficking, you only get a slap on the wrist misdemeanor, you're mm -hmm. going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to continue with the demand. So we need to increase that to a felony. Yeah. Because then... Uh, it's going to affect their employment, their work, their everyday life, and they have to register as a sex offender. Same thing with the kids who do sexting, who practice sexting, mm -hmm. and then they're committing a crime. They're going to have to register as a sex offender themselves, even though they sent a picture of themselves. Mm. So that's why we're trying to raise awareness to save lives. So whenever somebody asks you to do those things, be careful, please, because you don't know who's on the other line. And so don't think that they like you more than or love you more than your parents, because that's what they want them to believe. They want them to trust them and tell them that they like them more than their parents. And they try to indicate that their parents are controlling and that they need to be an adult, they need to control their own movement. So, so we need to be careful of that. So we need to increase the penalty on the trafficker from felony to a violent felony, and then on the buyer from a misdemeanor to a, um, to a felony. Yeah, because sometimes our laws are set up that they actually punish the victims of the right. trafficking instead of the perpetrators of the trafficking. Absolutely. And that's how it used to be. And in some cases it still is, but there has been a lot of movement as far as within law enforcement, that these are not prostitutes, whether male or female, these are victims of human trafficking. There's a big difference, big difference. Okay. And so right now uh, that kind of uh, raising awareness and education is being conducted, for example, here, by the Orange County uh, Human Trafficking Task Force for a lot of law enforcement in order to change uh, the thinking that these are victims of human trafficking 
and need to be treated as such. Yeah, and then you also look at in turn, a lot of these victims of human trafficking end up being perpetrators of human trafficking because that's the only life that they've ever known. So they're not getting help. So they're in turn thinking it's okay, then they're gonna turn somebody else into what they've done because they don't know anything different. And also in some cases, actually, in most of the cases, they want to get out of it. However, what the perpetrators tell them is just like you said, you know, no, we want you to go back to school and get us two more. Mm -hmm. If you get us two more, I will let you go. So they bring two more, but they don't let them go. Yes. And so two more and two more. In one of the cases, again, uh, perpetrators of human trafficking because of the obscene amount of money that we mentioned that they make. In some cases, a trafficker will make 800000 in cash a year by trafficking two women. Mm. And when you have or a girl or a woman having 14, 16 or 20 men going through her on a daily basis, mm. so you can, you can do the math. And most of they say the average age is between the ages of 15 and 17 girls into human trafficking, and they don't live past the age of 34. But, and traffickers, as I started to say, they don't discriminate between, is this, does this person come victim from a poor family or a very wealthy family? In another video that I show you, a task force in Florida said they had victims there where the parents were physicians and attorneys and extremely wealthy and they were trafficked also. So at a, 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 another victim example of a victim of human trafficking that I was told, it happened to their friend who was extremely wealthy. A girl approached their daughter in school and said, my dad and I will take you home. To cut a long story short, that man wasn't the dad. And the daughter disappeared for six months. But because they were very wealthy, they hired a private investigator. And they found her after six months. She was raped. Mm -hmm. She was tricked, raped, and put into sex trafficking. And she had to go through that for six months until she was found. Another case when I was speaking, when I was the keynote speaker at the International Association of Insurance Professionals here, uh, one of the attendees came to me after my speech and said that her niece was trafficked. Again, the mother or the father were either an attorney or a physician, but one of them was an attorney, the other was a physician. They live here in LA. Their daughter went to school in Georgia they approached her with a classic approach. You are so beautiful, we're gonna make you a model. Mm -hmm. And at the interview, she gets raped and she gets put into sex trafficking. And when she wanted to leave, they showed her the video that they took of her while she was having, um, while she's being victimized. And they said, we're going to show this to your parents. So she stayed because she was ashamed of what's happening to her. But then she insisted that she wanted to leave and they said, we're going to kill your family if you leave. So that's when she left her room in the dorms, in the student building. And she hopped on a plane, left everything there, hopped on a plane, called the parents and said, uh, 
I'm, I'm coming home. Don't ask me questions. I'll tell you when I come home, but please be very, very careful. Now she conducts training for judges and others with members of the FBI to basically open people's eyes about human trafficking. Why do you think it's so accepted as like child marriage you talked about? There's the laws. Why are they victimizing the victims even more and not the perpetrators? Is it because of the money? Are you talking about child marriage or human trafficking? Both, really, basically. No, we- it's it's uh, it's the the citizens need to basically call their elected officials and say you need to do something about it. You need to because we need to protect the kids. There are different reasons why people oppose. For example, SB two seventy three opposition came from ACLU and Planned Parenthood. ACLU because the right to marriage, the right to practice religion. So, but those two, that opposition did not occur in the four states where this legislation passed. So different state, different things. You have to convince the legislators, you have to make them fear and no vote on such a legislation more than a yes vote. So we have to exercise our right. If they're not going to protect our kids themselves, we have to protect them because we're the ones who vote them into office. We're the ones who contribute to their campaign. We have to insist that they change the laws. They have to hear from us. And with the election year, now it matters more than ever. Absolutely. And, and you know, those legislations in Minnesota and Pennsylvania were passed during, during COVID and during an election year. And those resolutions that unanimously passed in those three cities, uh, as I mentioned, happen now, two in August and one in, in this month in October. So we just need to be uh, consistent about it and vigilant and... Um, call them, email them, write them, whatever you need to do, they need to hear from you. <coughs> and basically and basically, don't stop until you get yes. the answer. Yes. No, don't stop until it gets done, mm-hmm. until it gets passed. Because I give you uh, my word that I will not stop until we change the law in California. So because... I'm, I'm still meeting with elected officials on the state level, and we're trying to get there. That's why I'm trying to pass those resolutions on the city and county level. We're trying to build, we're trying to raise awareness and to build the wave heading to the capital, to Sacramento, that says, we need to change this. We need to increase the partners of the California Coalition to End Child Marriage. We need to increase the numbers of resolutions. We need them to pass in every state and county to let those state officials know that we will not stand silent for our children to be victimized. We don't know why elected officials don't see the urgency. We have to make them see the urgency in passing such a legislation. Do you think it's because some of the state officials, I'm just throwing this out here because I've don't know of any cases, but do you think some of them are actually maybe perpetrators themselves at some point in time? Or uh, know somebody that is a perpetrator? 
that's a possibility yes and that they're maybe contributing to their campaign i know money talks uh remember the jeffrey epstein case mm -hmm. right yep. and so remember how uh, th there was a lot of examples of elected officials being caught doing things they're not supposed to be doing but at the same time just like i didn't know that child marriage was legal until 2016 mm. i just assumed it was not legal and so mm. i didn't do anything about it so that's why we're saying we need to raise educate uh, mm. uh, our awareness among the citizens and the elected officials we need to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and urge them to protect our kids from harm uh, there's also the Earn It Act that is uh, just passed the Judiciary Committee, unanimously passed the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, in the Federal Senate. And the Earn It Act is basically this. All these um, companies that have platforms where our uh, children being victimized through they are immune from lawsuits by the victims. Mm. Yes. So what we're saying is, no, we're not going to give you a carte blanche. We're going to have you earn that immunity by showing us what kind of measures have you done in order to make it safer for kids on your platform. And so we're saying you have to earn it. You have to earn that immunity from lawsuits. And so I urge all of you to call. There's now a concurrent bill um, in the House. So call your member of Congress or House representative and call your senator, federal senator, and say you need to co-sponsor the Earn It Act. We need to make it safer on this platform for our kids because we cannot con condone the continuing of victimization of our children never again would we allow this to happen so that's why we have to be consistent about what we ask so basically one of the steps we can do is contacting our local officials our representatives, our state officials, our, our senators, governors, just get, trying to get legislation. Do, would you suggest working with uh, any type of group, like, for instance, your group, to get legislation passed in a different state? Uh, absolutely. There's also other groups, depending on which state they're in. There are also other groups that I can refer them to. They can go to our website, either globalhope365.org, or CA Coalition to EndChildMarriage.org, and they can leave their information there, add their names to our newsletter, or tell us uh, which city or county that they want help with or state, and then we'll either send them the resolution or we'll set them up with someone if they're from another state. So it's not just, you guys aren't just affecting the laws in California. You're helping others affect the laws yes. throughout the United States. Because when I used to speak in person, 
I used to have these advocacy cards and I have seven attached to a pen. And I'm sorry about this again, but you know, we have fires going on and that's uh -huh. why I kept, um, I kept my phone on, as I mentioned to you early on, mm -hmm. is that we were getting alerts whether it's mandatory evacuation or not. And that's the only, I usually shut off my phone but because of this extreme situation, I, I had to leave it on. So I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. I totally understand. Yeah, but um, basically, I used to have them sign these advocacy cards and each person had to sign seven because there's one for child marriage, one for human trafficking, one goes to the state assembly members, one go to the state senator, one goes to the governor. And with human trafficking, one goes to the district attorney. So we went digital while just before COVID or a little after COVID. And now you can go to our advocacy page on California Coalition to End Child Marriage. And uh, you can uh, participate in our digital letter writing campaign, put your information in, and that will send that letter urging your legislator to change the law to all your legislators, both state and federal. That is and so awesome. Yeah. So why did you get involved in this? I know you said you didn't know until 2016 that child marriage was still legal in California, but why did you personally take it on? Because I wanted to end harmful practices, as I mentioned, against women and girls. Our mission is our goal is to end harmful practices against women and girls. And our mission is dedicated that we are dedicated to improving the lives of women and girls locally and nationally by advocating for their safety through raising awareness, education, and empowerment. And so we need to stop that gender violence and gender inequality. That's why you have these laws, because you have gender inequality. And that's why, and they're basically gender, uh, this is gender violence. Mm -hmm. Child marriage should be named as it is, child abuse. It's another form of child abuse. And I have to, it's one uh, fifty-nine, and I have to go to my um, other meeting. At yep. two, so please forgive me. I want to thank you so much for having me as your guest. And um, there's a lot of resources that your listeners or viewers can go to that we sent you. And I hope that they will utilize them to end this abuse, either through child marriage or human trafficking. And thank you so much for having me again. Thank you, Rima, for coming on. I've really learned a lot from you. So thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye-bye. Wow, right? This episode, it seemed like every time I had a question to ask, Rima anticipated my question and answered it before I could ask her the question. But I really urge you to, like Rima said, contact your Congress, contact your senators, contact your local officials, and see what we can do to end child marriage and human trafficking, to pass resolutions, to just be on the lookout for, for strange things that don't quite make sense with your children because we need to protect our children. 
Um, I also urge you to go and look up um, Sherry Johnson's story because I actually looked it up after um, I got off the chat with Rima and her story is one that it just blows my mind um, being raped and then because they didn't want to prosecute the the deacon in the church they married her off to him that is just wow I'm just it just mind blows me blows my mind I mean I have a lot of great content coming up I know the holidays are coming up um, but I still want to keep going strong Season one is almost about to wrap up. I'm about ready to hit my 75th episode. I'm hoping to hit 100 before the end of the year. Um, We'll see. It's kind of a stretch. But I really thank you guys for listening. Um, I have a favor to ask. Subscribe. Leave a review. That way it gets my name and gets this, this content up in front of other people. So they can hear it and listen to it. And most importantly, you know what else I need you to do? That's right. Keep chatting.